Welcome to the Monsters of Television podcast. I'm Nick Campbell. We have Noel Kirkpatrick. Hello. Karen Petruska. Hello. And you'll notice that Matt Owens is not here, but we'll throw in some mentions of Lost and bemoan Fringe being on Friday night, and that'll be enough. That'll be his contribution for the, for the <laughs> podcast. We'll so, also make a Lost reference in his honor. <laughs> it is true. He's our Lost guy. We, we always need at least one. Yeah. So, um, I guess without Walking Dead, it, you know, we don't have the Walking Dead to lead off with, but... What did happen was uh, some uh, award nominations came out for SAG and for the Golden Globes. Uh, did you guys look at those at all? I did. I ha- have them all actually in front of me right now. I, I, I think it's kind of funny how everyone that writes about them, the first thing they always say is, now, these don't really matter. That said, I'm really annoyed. It's funny how no matter who the people are that decide, no matter how obscure the, the organization may be, they just give people a chance to debate, and that seems to be the most fun part. That is the only fun part, and, you know, betting as well. Yeah. <laughs> and then, I mean, because the award shows themselves, I get. Like, I actually, like, enjoy watching the award shows, because I like to see people dressed up, and who's with who, and watching really awful presenters. Like, that's, you know... And I like the Golden Globes just because everyone gets drunk at the yeah. Golden Globes, and it's always fun to see drunk celebrities. It, it is yeah. definitely the best part. I think that's why I enjoy the Golden Globes so much, as opposed to, say, the Emmys, where everyone's a little too serious. But the Golden Globes, everyone's just drunk because there's a free open bar. Yeah. Emmys are too classy. What's the other one? The Spirit Award? Is that the one where everyone's just hanging out or something? <laughs> yeah, oh, the Independent Spirit Awards? Yeah, they're always in, like, a big tent or something. I'm going to have to check those out this year. Because, I mean, and that's... The, the real issue with these award shows is, is there any particular award show that you would consider more legitimate like if we're going to talk today golden globes versus sag awards i don't know i think i I think both the organizations kind of um made themselves illegitimate with their nominations (laughs) so what's the most offensive um well for me from the sag i'm sorry but hot in cleveland getting a nom for best ensemble in a comedy just feels like pandering to get Betty White on yeah. ratings. And then I don't know quite what the Golden Globes were thinking with Piper Perigu's nomination, <laughs> but I can't wait for her to win just to watch the internet explode. Okay, so I don't watch... I know that everyone's been annoyed by that, so I don't watch that show. So wh- what is so offensive about it? It's so bland that it's offensive. Covert Affairs is the least offensive show on television. And that's why it's so offensive. So it's, who is she and why did she get nominated? Do we know? Um, honestly, th- I think the joke is kind of true that they thought Covert Affairs was an alias spinoff and they thought Piper Perabu was Jennifer Garner. <laughs> so this is like an award for Jennifer Garner all over again. There you go. Yes. So, I mean, Covert Affairs is like an alias-esque show. It's just nowhere near as entertaining. And, what network is it on? Uh, USA. It's part of... Oh, so- so she's that blonde girl. Yes. Okay. She was in Coyote Ugly. You didn't see Coyote Ugly? Uh, yeah, I missed that one. She's masterful in Coyote Ugly. <laughs> masterful. <laughs> so, so is John Goodman, for that matter. But Oh, John Goodman's good in everything, though. John Goodman's going to be in Red State, which is directed by Kevin Smith, and he'll be fantastic in that, despite the movie being awful. <laughs> but we have Julianne Margulies, Elizabeth Moss, which is exciting, mm-hmm. and uh, Katie Seagal, which is, I think, expected. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there, there, there are good people in that race. Exactly. So if P- Piper Parabo wins that award, uh, yeah, the internet might collapse on itself. <laughs> At least the television segment will. 
<laughs> I mean, they might give it to Cedric just because the show's ending and it's got all that nice buzz, and they may not wait to give it to her for when the show actually does end. Mm. So I can see that happening. Boy. I think it's going to be a strong push for Elizabeth Moss, don't you think? Just I think people like her character, and they enjoy that series so much. And I don't know. I, I, would, I would be pleased to see that, that win. I love Elizabeth Moss' character. Like, I think she's the best part of the show. If she, when she's not on the episodes, I still find a way to talk about Peggy, even if she's not on the show. Her character, is, she does a great job on that show. I, I think all those, all those actresses on there do a great job on the show. Except for Piper Parabu. So who who got slighted because of Piper Parabu? Good question. Yeah, because that's the other issue is if there's someone great that got overlooked, that well then you know you have more of an issue. I know Chuck fans would think that Von Strahovski got got slighted. There uh, <laughs> there's a big campaign for her to get an Emmy nomination this year, which is completely ridiculous. I didn't watch Boardwalk Empire, but I I would assume that someone from Boardwalk Empire probably should have gotten nominated for something. Mm-hmm. Aside from Steve Buscemi, I don't know how strong the women characters are on that show. I can't imagine them being that interesting, given that it's a gangster. Characters show. from Treme also are um, very. That's strong. what people wanted. You're right. They would lo- have loved to seen someone from Treme, but Treme, it's hard to say that there's a main actress on that show. It's true. It's, it's so ensemble driven, and I'm trying to think through the shows I watch and think if there's anyone else that really stands out to me as being a clear best actress nomination. Oh, well, you, you know who the Emmys always pick and that got left out here is Mariska Hargitay. So, I mean, it's true. There's a standby that didn't get picked for the Golden Globes. Rish. I was surprised. Grey's Anatomy, I guess, is the main one where you have a bunch of actresses that can always be thrown in. But. Right. I was surprised by uh, all the Glee nominations. Listen, uh, do those people deserve the nominations? The people from Glee? Well, yeah, the acting nominations are a bit odd. I mean, I'm not against Matthew Morrison, but I wouldn't say that his performance is, like, particularly impressive. I, I, I know a lot of people really mean about him. I actually find him charming. Mm-hmm. But that's, you know, charming is not necessarily award-winning worthy. Right. Uh, and Leah Michelle, from what I can tell, is... Uh, I mean, I don't watch Glee because I think it's the devil, but Leah Michelle is not great by any stretch. I mean, definitely and it shouldn't be in the same conversation with Edie Falco or Tony Collette. Or TFA. Or Laura Linney, for that matter. Or I Linney. Mean, oh, definitely not with Laura Linney. So, I mean, it's just kind of like... I think a lot of it has to go back to the idea that the Hollywood Foreign Press Association is all about getting famous people there. So you watch. And I think that it kind of explains the Glee nominations in a nutshell, though it doesn't explain why Thomas Jane got nominated for Hung, or why Hung got nominated in the first place. Well, here's but, the thing. Is this one of those award things where they see one episode... So if they happen to see the one episode where somebody does good work, they get nominated. Because that's one of the issues that I feel like there's usually a disconnect with television awards, is that the people that actually watch the series respond so strangely to award nominations, because I don't think we have the same experience as the people who actually vote. That's true, and I'm like trying to find out how the Globes do their nomination process right now, because I'm not entirely sure how the Hollywood Foreign Press picks, or how you submit for stuff or whatever for that. Yeah, I wonder if it's just who they hear about the most. You know, it's oh, it's the Hollywood Foreign huh. Press. So they they play a game of bocce, and uh, whatever <laughs> ball kind of, kind of wins, that's that's they get nominated. Well, we could certainly make fun of categories like the best supporting actress in a series, miniseries, or TV movie. Like, do we have enough different options there? It's very <laughs> strange that you know drama gets you know its own special category but comedy seems to be well i guess that's just for the best supporting not the supporting yeah, players just the get supporting everyone on earth 
Yep. Which is really, <laughs> I agree, is really bizarre, but I also think that's just to keep the telecast moving at a brisk pace. But yeah, it's really, it's really weird. And how do you, how do you evaluate one performance against another when they're all doing different things, essentially? When they're not all trying to make you laugh or trying to, you know, I mean, how do you judge Scott Kahn against David Strathairn? That's exactly what I was just thinking of. That was exactly the comparison. I, mean, I love Chris Noth and Scott Kahn, too. It's just, it's just I, I don't know that that's necessarily a fair comparison to make. And I, I, if I was someone with the Hollywood Foreign Press, I'm not sure I'd be able to vote in those categories just because they're all doing different things for different reasons. I will say this. It would be delightful if Scott Kahn won. That would be so much fun. I actually really enjoy Hawaii Five-0. I mean, it's pretty silly, but he's pretty good. Interesting. I haven't watched the show. Oh, really? See, that's yeah. one that just, you know, we have a different set of shows we watch. When we eat food, we watch shows that we don't have to pay as much attention to. And so one of them is Hawaii Five-0. That's just, you know, we could just enjoy that while we eat and then move on to something more serious after. <laughs> and and Entertainment Weekly once did an article where they created the Hawaii Five-0 drinking game. And <laughs> it's pretty amusing. Like, anytime the main guy takes the shirt off, obviously. Anytime Scott Kahn's character mentions New Jersey. Um, anytime the guy from Lost drives around on a motorcycle. And you really do see these things occur in every single episode. Um so there, there's all kinds of fun ways to make Hawaii Five O even more fun. So, <laughs> well, then I'm going to watch Hawaii Five O with bottled alcohol over the weekend. There you go. I'm just going to stream it on demand and just be really hammered. <laughs> <laughs> so, what about the SAG Acting Awards? All right, let's see what offends me here. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, the SAG Acting Awards. I think uh, Kurt Sutter on Twitter called it like uh, it was the the awards chosen by children. Because he says that ninety percent of the SAG is, are waiters, not actors. So they uh, that these these are that's why the nominees are the way they are. Well, I'm not sure. I mean, what about this is particularly offensive? Um, Besides hot I mean, Cleveland, I guess. Chris Colfer is getting you know nominations for Glee, which is nice. You know, they people are making a lot of fun of how his character is becoming too saintly, but I think he does a good job of making that character a little bit bitchy, but also a little bit sensitive. Well, he's um, the only actual character on Glee, as far as I'm concerned. He's the only one with something resembling a baseline arc that can then grow and develop. Everyone else just feels like they reset each episode, so I think it's, I think his I, if Chris Cole forgot his own show, I would watch it. Yeah. But I'm not yeah. going to watch Glee. <laughs> Sophia Vergara on Modern Family, is she so Yeah, she's the Colombian wife yeah. of uh, Ed O'Neill. See, the only, I've only watched a few episodes, but she seems to choose some scenery to me, so I don't... She does, and that's kind of the point of her character, and that seems to be the entire point of, even in like, when she appears on award shows as herself, they still make her have problems speaking English properly. Yeah. And it's just like, what are you doing after her? I'm yeah, I don't understand. That's an acting nomination that is strange to me, unless you want to see her there in a really hot dress. Which I'm sure she will be there in one. Yeah, yeah I am sure. But um, there's nothing truly offensive, I think, in the SAG nominations, with the exception of Hot in Cleveland taking a spot of any other comedy series. Yeah. Like, of your favorite one. I mean, clearly Community not being nominated for anything is a problem. But, I mean, also, for those of you who enjoy Parks and Recreation, I'm sure you're furious. 
that. Well, it's been it's been off the air for a bit. It's a little, you know it's kind of hard for people to think back that far. But I definitely think Parks and Rec had a great second season, and it's a real shame that they aren't. This this is this is where awards do become useful when they can give a show the attention it needs, and that's probably the most disappointing part of these both of these awards. That I know all these shows, and I everyone knows all these shows. These are the shows that tend to be the really popular shows. So it's not like the awards are really doing anything for them. They don't need the bump, the awards bump. Yeah, like, I mean, 30 Rock, Office, Glee, Modern Family don't need anything for awards, and neither does Boardwalk Empire, Dexter, Mad Men, or The Closer, really. I think The Good Wife does need that kind of attention. Yeah. Um, Even though its ratings are... Ratings are decent, but its demos aren't that great. So it does kind of need that, but I don't think you're going to get the demos that advertisers want for something like The Good Wife. Are the SAG Awards um, on TV? Yes, they're um, on TNT, though. I think this year they'll actually be airing on TNT and TBS at the same time. So here's another question for you. Did you, either, any of you, either of you guys watch Carlos? No, I haven't seen it. Car- Carlos? Yeah. I'm blanking on what this is. This is a miniseries, and it's, oh, okay. kind of, it's showing up on a lot of top film lists by film critics. And it's just kind of a little question I have in my head, and, I, and I've heard other people ask it too. Carlos actually aired on television, but it's being co-opted by the film people who seem to be giving it a lot more attention. So you, you do see it show up on both of these lists. That's but it's, it's kind of this weird um, beast. I, I don't know if it's made in Europe and then came to us or what. I don't know its, its pedigree and where it comes from, but I know that there's been some debate about how television critics have largely ignored it but film people are singing its praises, and so we do see that showing up here. Where I, I can't imagine anything would beat the Pacific, even though Pacific and Temple Grandin. I mean, those are the two that got all the attention. I imagine that Carlos's um, weird crossovers. I mean, it's listed as a French-German television miniseries, but there was a five and a half hour version that got screened at um, Com. So that's why all the film people are on it. Plus, there's, uh, what's his name, um, involved, was one of the creators for it, um, Olivier um, Assez, whose name is familiar to me, but I don't totally recognize all of his stuff. Mm. But he also has worked for the Cayer du Cinema, so there you go. Yeah, well, that the European model is just, a, that, that, that makes more sense to me, because it doesn't fit into our typical TV movie niche then. Because they actually have some pretty impressive films that ha- that air on television in Europe. And it, it, for some reason, it doesn't seem to have the same sharp, sharp divide that we do. Well, that gets also to one of the other things that kind of infuriated people about the Golden Globes was that Luther, uh, which is a BBC series that ran for six episodes um, with um, Idris Elba from The Wire, um, got nominated for Best Miniseries. But it's actually a series, and it had the same amount of episodes as The Walking Dead, which got nominated for Best Drama from the Golden Globes. And there's just no clear reason why you should make that difference, or what the difference is, other than the fact that they just seem to want to nominate Uther somehow, but couldn't justify putting it in Best Drama, because it aired on BBC America. Mm. So it's all that weird splicing thing that's going on. I think both in terms of format, I mean with the difference between what constitutes a series and what constitutes a miniseries now that we kind of faced last year when Glee was went up for comedies and Glee is 
a musical that kind of happens to be funny every now and then, but is way more serious than it is funny some of the time. Yeah, what was the other debate? This is probably a film thing, but where was the one where they, there was one particular series that was put into comedy and everyone was kind of freaking out about it. It didn't make any sense in comedy. It might have been Nurse Jackie. Um, yeah, Nurse Jackie has that as well, where a lot of people don't think it's a comedy per se, and it, that it's just kind of a weird slop. But I mean, almost always Showtime some, seems to pitch itself at all its shows as comedies anyway, which I think is really interesting. Because I'm not sure how funny Weeds is. How funny yeah. Weeds is? Weeds is going to be funny. It's uh, especially this past fifth season, not the sixth season, but the fifth season is completely ridiculous. So. Wait, no, there's a difference from ridiculous and funny. Is, yeah. it, is it purposefully being funny, or is I it think, just? Yeah, I, it's it's hard to tell sometimes. I mean, the, the, <laughs> that's not a good sign. I will I will tell you that I mean without ruining anything that the the final scene of the uh, of the fifth season involves a croquet mallet. Well, that sounds like a rollicking comedy. Yeah. Um, yeah, so did, so did the end of The Shining. <laughs> <laughs> the book, not the movie, of course. Right. So Weeds can be, Weeds can be funny. I can't speak for the sixth season or anything, uh, whether or not it's good. I hear it's better, and I'm surprised that, uh, you know, I don't see any Weeds anything on these lists. But um, maybe... Weeds no, lo- Weeds no longer has buzz factor. Everyone kind of thinks it's beyond its time, beyond its prime, and... That Showtime is just refusing to let it go for some reason. So I, I do think buzz is a factor here, and if you don't have it, you're gonna suffer in the nominations. Which really does make you wonder with covert affairs, like who put that nomination in there? USA, did they have any connections? Did they have it? You know, I wonder what the campaign was there. So we'll have to we'll have to see how these these actual awards turn out. But um, if we're talking about Emmys, do we see any hints here that the from the Golden Globes. Is there anything new that the Golden Globes did that maybe we can hope the Emmys will this year not suck as much as they usually do? Because I don't even watch them anymore. I'm so usually frustrated by them. So I don't know. I think it's probably a fair bet that we're seeing a lot of the nominations for the Emmys that we're seeing from the Golden Globes. So I'm not quite sure how much of that's going to change, except for Piper Perry, who I seriously doubt is going to get an Emmy nomination. Good Lord, no. Though that would be amazing. But no, I think we're probably seeing how the Emmys are going to shake out anyway. So I'm not, I'm not too excited, except for the fact that you know we'll see Neil Patrick Harris get nominated and snubbed again. There um, you go. And he'll lose to John Cryer or Chris Colfer, and you'll just have to wonder why the hell Neil Patrick Harris even bothers submitting himself every year now. <laughs> Did you see the drama with him on Twitter this week? What, what drama? So, the guy who plays Victor on Young and the Restless was supposed to come on and play somebody's father, and I bailed on them at the last instance, and Neil Patrick first went on to Twitter and called him an ass or something like that. A D-bag. A D-bag. It was just kind of one of those fun moments where you actually do get to see behind the curtain. Interesting. Yeah, because apparently the two-page part that he has played before, I might add, wasn't substantial enough for him. Hmm. So they get Ray Wise to do it instead, which I think is definitely a step up, because Ray Wise is always a step up. I'm not against an actor having standards, but it doesn't sound like he handled it very well. Yeah. Meaning the actor from Young and the Restless. All right, I know. I, 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 don't, I didn't think you were talking about Neil Patrick Harris there. Yeah, but I'm sure, some, I'm sure he got a phone call after he put that out there, because later on he put a, a sort of apology saying, I'm sorry, I'm just protective of my show. Right. 
Well, he just he does have amazing persona though. He just seems like such a cool guy. He's kind of right up there with Ellen in in his accessibility and his ability to make people overlook all of the things that normally middle America would be offended by with him. It's it's kind of marvelous that people like him who are you know partnered, adopting children, all of the things that normally you would expect middle America would would have issues with. He's just so clearly a good guy. Oh, he's Doogie. I mean, how are you, you going to blame Doogie for anything? I'll never live that well, I think down. he's done a good job of making himself really appealing. So. That too. But through award shows, there's an interesting connection. Neil Patrick Harris did an excellent job of hosting a bunch of award shows. I guess starting with the Tonys. And then he, when he, didn't he go and do the, the Emmys? Yes. And, you know, his, his song and dance persona and all of that is perfect for award shows and kind of broadened his appeal. And so... Because the other element with these award shows is who gets to host and whether that's just dooming you to fail or whether you can actually parlay that into anything. And Neil Patrick Harris actually seems to have parlayed it. He was pretty roundly applauded for all of his work as a host. He does good work. does the, the whole song and dance routine real well. <laughs> Indeed. So are you guys going to watch the Golden Globes? Of course. I have nothing else to do on Sunday nights. Why not? <laughs> Yeah, I I'm might polite. watch the, uh, the I might not watch the actual war show, but I'll probably stick around on Twitter to to watch everybody's tweets about it. Mm-hmm. Toss which in my two cents, which is the best part, really. It kind of is. So um, I don't know how to segue into this at all, but let's talk about the TV that the, or the little TV that was on this week. Um, did you guys watch The Good Wife? Yes. Yes. Karen, did you watch? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yes. Um, what do you think about this week's episode? Um, since, I mean, I, while I really enjoyed the episode, I found it manipulative as hell, but I was actually okay with that. Yeah, I guess I would have um, kind of preferred if they would just be very clear that he's guilty. Like, if you're going to go ahead and have us a guy on death row, and you're going to find a way to get him off or whatever else, and you're going to try and have him reconnect with his daughter... Uh, the Good Wife is, this is what one of the issues I keep pushing with this one, which is it disturbs me that the morality of it pops up here and there, just bits and pieces, but very quickly goes away. Like, it'll be really interesting to see if they take the two male, main male characters and it all use them to kind of tease at this a bit more. Because even though Chris Noth's character had a bunch of affairs, he actually was reasonably, you know, um, devoted to his job. It does seem to have some sort of integrity. They had the, the episode a couple weeks ago where Margulies wore that gorgeous red dress for two episodes, which was awesome. <laughs> uh, well, it was a beautiful dress. I just wanted to see it more. But he has the husband has a chance to mess with her phone and chooses not to. Right. So, but the partner at the law firm, Will, Will, who she knows from her y- younger days, he doesn't. I don't know if he has integrity. You know, every so often, often you see a moment of it, but he seems pretty clear that they need to do what they need to do for their firm. And Margulies, every so often, you know, she's she's the cipher on the show, which was the critique you heard the most the first season. People don't seem to be as into that um, complaint this season. Well, I think it works for the character. So I, I when I first started watching the show, I didn't really have a problem with her mask as a. I still don't. Well, the episode this year where her brother came on. The actor from Rubicon. Yeah. Who played her brother. That was actually really delightful because you actually felt like you got to see her being herself in an entirely new way. Yes. Like there is a person there, but she's been kind of 
shut down by life, which certainly can happen. I mean, there's all kinds of people you might be friends with from your childhood. You meet them years later, and you're like, you're an entirely new person. So it was a neat kind of raising of the curtain there. But anyway, my point is with this episode, guy on death row trying to get him off or at least get it delayed because he's going to die today. Um, They had an opportunity to have a little more complexity there. And they did the whole the whole question of whether he was guilty or not or whatever was just kind of thrown to the side. And it became much more about the clock. You know, we have until 6 p.m. That's when we have to get this done. Blah, blah, blah. Although it was kind of interesting that um, the, 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 the device that allowed them to partially delay and, and help save this guy was that they didn't have the right drug, the barbiturate, to put him under when he was supposed to be executed. And that, that apparently happened in real life just recently. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that. But no, that's Oh yeah, there was a there was a big story about it and they had to go to various different states to try and find this particular drug because it has um, a short shelf life. And if you because p- if people aren't executed very often, you know, it just sits around and it expires and then you can't do it. So they actually were kind of really on the pulse there, the good wife with this with that aspect of the show. Right. Well, I mean I think that the episode just really, as I said in the review, just really embraced the whole death row story trope, which is why we have the run against the clock, why whether or not he's guilty I think ultimately doesn't matter in the long run, just Mm -hmm. because we're getting to see that procedural aspect of this again just through the lens of The Good Wife. And I mean... I still really enjoyed the episode. It's probably the episode I've enjoyed the most in a little while since I've been kind of cool on the show um, since the first couple of episodes back, um, mainly because of um, Blake and Kalinda. Well, but see, that, that was one of the things about this episode, you're right, is that Kalinda got to actually have a moment where she got to talk right. with her friend. and Because it, it's, it's the last few episodes it's all been Kalinda runs into the office and runs out or you know she barely sees her Mm. um so it was kind of nice to have these two friends because there was an awful lot of attention that these you know given to these two the first season they would get drinks here and there they would have conversations we got to watch that friendship blossom and this year they've just been ships passing in the night so this episode gave us a chance to see them together again and that was really nice it was really nice it was actually one of my favorite scenes in the entire um, episode just because I mean instead of just you know, talking about it, she takes a minute, she go gets two beers out of the fridge while everyone is debate prepping and while all this craziness is going on around her. And then they go back and they sit on the bed and just talk. And I just thought that was a really nice little moment between two people who really like one another but just don't have time to catch up with one another that often. So why wouldn't you go grab two beers? And well, and it's nice that Alicia also sees what's going on. Like, it's, it's nice that she was able to say, okay, he's got something on you. Are you in trouble? What do you need? Because it's, it's, I really appreciate, you know, this is again when I'm, I'm, when I'm getting upset with Will. Will seems to have no problem using Blake for whatever dirty thing he needs to do. And Will seems to understand that Blake is dirty yeah. and that's why you go to him for certain tasks. So, I, you know, even though Blake is kind of the star or Will is the star-crossed lover, I, I, I have hope that this show is actually going to take him somewhere darker and, like, the irony will be that the husband that cheated on Alicia will actually be the, the better man in the end. Well, I think, I think that's way more likely to happen, that um, um, Peter will end up being the better man. But I would also, I'm with you in, like, I would like to see Will go a little darker. And I think we may end up starting to see that once this whole um, Diane power play with her 
wanting to start a new firm starts to play itself out a bit more, hopefully in the second half of this season, um, since they seem to have dropped it a little bit. Um, hey, there's someone. Christine Baranski, did she get any nominations? She's usually a... You know, I think she did last year. I don't think she got any this year, though, sadly. Okay. Well, maybe they'll, she'll get more to do with all of this. But, yeah, she, yeah Christine Bransky, That's. I was actually trying to talk some people into watching The Good Wife the other day, and Christine Bransky was one of the cars I played. Like, Christine oh, Bransky, you, know, you know you know her. You know you enjoy her. Yeah. She should be a card that you always play to get someone to watch a show. <laughs> the other person who got a nice moment here was Carrie. Carrie and, has been getting nothing but nice moments this season. I've yeah, really it's true. I've liked how they've been playing Carrie, as opposed to making him an outright villain, because that's what I was worried that they were going to do with him, is that he is instead someone who has a sense of justice that is playing out in very specific ways, and he's willing to do what is necessary to an extent. Yeah. And I think that's a really nice counterpoint to Will, that they don't necessarily have to play up and choose not to play out. But that Carrie is this who Will could have been, or who Will probably was before Will started making a lot of money. Yeah. So what about the kids, Noel? Are you a fan of the children's storyline? Um, it just kind of depends on whatever the storyline is. Um, I'm kind of... I always get a little jarred whenever the kids disappear for a little while and then suddenly they're back. Um, same thing goes with Jackie, who just randomly pops up. Um, so, I mean, I'm kind of meh on Grace's semi-sudden religious conversion. Um, <laughs> I only wanted to see it if it plays out with Jackie. <laughs> yeah. I, w- I want Jackie to be horrified by it. If, if we can see that, then that's fine. But I'm not sure that Alicia having a heart-to-heart with her daughter about it is really what I'm looking for from that. And I'm not necessarily sure that Alicia would have a heart-to-heart with her daughter about religion either, since religion doesn't really play that large of a part. I think if anyone's going to have a heart-to-heart with her about it, it's going to be Peter through Isaiah. Mm. So I think maybe they're, they're angling for something there. I hope so, just because I really like the whole Isaiah plot line that's been kind of building and going up and down. So uh, hopefully that comes out through the end. Um, Will we get more of that? Because I thought he lost his church. He did lose his church, but that's kind of why I want to see that continue to play out some more. Okay. Since it ties directly into the whole uh, Wendy Scott Carr thing as well. Do you think she'll eventually be dirty, Wendy Scott Carr? Do you think we'll find out that there's some big secret that he can use? Or do you think they'll keep her being perfect? Because so far she's being pretty perfect. I think they'll probably keep her being perfect just because she's a nice counterpoint to Peter and um, uh, Childs. Childs. Yeah. Who I just keep thinking of as the man in black instead. (laughs) (laughs) Indeed. So, yeah, um, as far as the son goes, he hasn't really been doing anything, but, I mean, any scene that involves um, his his ex-girlfriend, Becca, and Eli, I'm I'm happy with. You know what we should do? We should, uh, just to throw this down, you guys can add it to a list. We should have a, one of our topics be all the people that used to be on Lost that are on their new shows. We could just spend one little section talking about their, if we watch any of the shows that they're on and how they're doing. How is the man in black doing on The Good Wife? Yeah, I think that's what Matt does with his time, all of his free time anyway. <laughs> so I think that he can do that. I think that uh, Matt's uh, hobby in life is to uh, find all the Lost characters that appear on other shows and connect them to the Lost universe. Well, like we a, can ask this, because this could be his holiday gift from us. Yeah. We want him to edit, or to be the editor for this particular series that we can do. <laughs> like Desmond showing up on SVU. How, how does Mariska Hargitay wrap up into the, uh, the Lost Universe? 
There you go. Yeah. Well, I was just thinking because Brothers and Sisters has Jack's dad on there. So uh, Christian. They do seem to be popping up all over the place and doing reasonably well. Um, Child is a, you know, I don't think Child is going to be around forever. Um, but I, I, I like the idea that Peter has to face a, an opponent who actually isn't dirty. Right. And he really does have to actually match her with integrity. And that's kind of cool. Yeah. They've done a good job with his character. I, I, I will be happy to encourage anyone that has not watched to watch the show because I think there's a lot of good complexity. I, I, I nitpick about particular issues that I hope they go deeper with because I think the show could – it's not a greatness yet. It's that for me it's very enjoyable and um, intriguing uh, and quite strong. But for me it's not great yet. And so I'm just waiting to see if it decides to, to go there. And to be great you really have to push your characters, you know? Right. And I think the other, like, to chime into your plea that you should watch The Good Wife is that you can start watching it and without having seen the previous episode, and you oh, will perfect. be okay, which I think is probably one of the biggest... I mean, I came in halfway through season one, and I was perfectly fine with the exception of little bits of character information that I just didn't have. I still haven't seen all of season one. I came in this summer and just watched whatever episode happened to be in reruns. So I watched it out of order, which, you know, there's things you get confused about, but they usually do a pretty good job of catching you up on what the issues are. And um, it didn't it didn't uh, at all detract me from my interest in the show. Absolutely. So I think that's part of why more people should be watching the show is that you don't have to have seen previous episodes to have enjoyed the show. Because when I rewatched the first half of this season... I kind of only did it half paying attention, but I didn't need to watch that first half of the season because the, the show filled in enough gaps on its own through narrative redundancies that I was okay. Yeah. So I felt really good about that. Well, good. We love The Good Wife. Yay! Yay! Yay. You guys want to talk about Psych? Yeah. Psych this week. We had the, uh, the, the double episode, the double shot, as they say. And... Um, uh, we also have the the lauded episode from from August. They've been talking about the "It's a Wonderful Life" episode, and um, I thought it was mediocre. I thought it was okay. Um, what do you think about it, Noel? Um, like you, I kind of thought it was okay. I mean, I enjoyed bits of it. I liked how we got more so as a subjectivity dream from him, as opposed to actually seeing what these people's lives would have been like without him. And in that way, I mean, it still kind of constructs um, Sean as this Marty, Marty Stew type of character where he's clearly the most important person in this entire narrative universe, regardless of whether or not he actually is. Mm-hmm. So he ends up seeing his dad as a long-haired bum covered in filth. Drinking um, from the world's largest bottle of lactate. Oh, that was amazing. Um, or Gus in a UPN sitcom. Right. So, I mean, I think I thought that was really nice. I didn't really like Tony Cox, but I don't really like Tony Cox anyway. Yeah. But at the same time, I liked, and I hope against hope, that they actually end up playing up the character development that he takes out of this episode and stops being such a jackass. Because um, you and I have talked about how... Um, Sean Spencer is essentially the Don Draper of Santa Barbara. It's true. <laughs> and how he's a complete jackass, but yet all these people keep going to him with their problems. He solved their issues. Right. And he still manages to do it despite being a liar, a cheat, and someone who 
lies about what he is. It's true. I mean, it's uh, the last couple episodes have dealt a lot with how Sean and Gus don't follow police procedure, and how they kind of and they've ruined cases in the last couple episodes. It's kind of led to hijinks that they have to go to the police academy or whatever. But um, you know that their lack of of protocol and their lack of uh, professional responsibility is kind of weighing heavy, is burdening the Santa Barbara Police Department, which is. You know, that they're bringing this up over and over again, that uh, Sean is kind of, his plan by his own rules isn't going to work anymore. I think that they are going to try to hopefully uh, make uh, this next season about Sean's growth and about Sean's, um, yeah, about Sean maturing finally, even though he's, I guess he's in his mid-30s now, right? Uh, finally maturing as an adult, which would be weird for Psych. Uh, that's a, it's an interesting way to, to, I mean, Psych, you tell everybody, yeah, it's about a psychic detective, but he's not really psychic. He just kind of pretends to be psychic and he's kind of gets into all these hijinks. But then you kind of dump somebody into the middle of season six if he's trying to be, uh, trying to grow as a person next season. And suddenly he's, you know, struggling to be a mature adult. It's, uh, it's, it's definitely a departure for the last, you know, seasons one through five. Right. Um, and I think, I mean, that's just part of the development of the show needing to do different things. Because, I mean, Monk eventually, like, had to do something character development-wise. I mean, they ended up developing the other characters, not Monk, of course. Right. To keep things fresh. So, I mean, but, I mean, I don't see that there's a lot of room to develop Laster or Jules or even Gus to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. Well, like, Gus is Gus is like this, like Sarah Walker on Chuck. I mean, Gus is only there to serve uh, to serve Sean. I mean, right. And it, whenever they have uh, even Gus even flirting with anybody outside of the Sean and Gus relationship, it's weird and creepy. I've never watched it. You've never seen? Oh, you've never seen Psych? <laughs> no. So it's about a right. psychic detective, but he's not really psychic. I don't know. If he's just super observant. It's it's like The Mentalist, except it came first. I never watched The Mentalist. Uh, the Mentalist is about a psychic detective, except he's not really psychic. <laughs> These are procedural type shows, aren't they? Yes. yes. If you haven't noticed, I have some issues with procedurals. They just, well, it's, I'm not sure I'm against them, and I think when I watch them, I enjoy them, but I don't seek them out. Uh, I love procedurals, so I'm always on the lookout for a good one. Yeah. And uh, Psych has, does a decent job of kind of flouting procedural a little bit, because, again, Sean and Gus are constantly flouting protocol. But well, it has... It has its own internal procedural aspect, and so I think that's what it is, is that it's the procedural of a fake psychic, as opposed to the procedural of a cop. Mm. So I think, I don't want to say that it has its formula, but it's definitely a procedural in so much as they go through the same steps each week, just like House goes through the same, well, House used to go through the same steps each week. Mm determine who was sick and who wasn't. Um, Karen, you should... I, I would give Psych a try. It's on Netflix Watch instantly, so you can stream the seasons. Definitely one through three are very, very strong. Four is okay. Five has been okay. Um, well, here, so here's... Which which network is Psych on? Hmm? USA. It was their big USA. show. Um, it was yeah, so what did I try to watch that I said I would try to watch last week? Um, Leverage? Was that, is that the one yeah, with the leverage? That's on TNT. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's with five people who are all working together to do what. It, it's not necessarily solve crimes, but they're scam artists, really, right? Yes, but they're scam artists for good. Yeah. So it was. Um. I mind you, I watched part of a Christmas episode, so this may have been part of the issue, but it was darn cheesy. 
yeah, no, Leverage is a pretty cheesy show from what I've seen of it. Um, Matt is the one who watches that show religiously, so he'd be able to talk to you more about that. Okay, so we can we can table that, but I, I did try. So when I when I promise I will watch something, I will eventually check it out. But Psych, I'm not sure I'm willing to commit to that. So if I happen to see it, I if it happens to come across my, my remote control, I'll check it out. But I'm I, you know when I'm shopping for new shows, I'm looking for dramas. That's true. You're not a comedy person, so. Yeah. Well, speaking of dramas, and this will help us seg into the new upcoming new shows. Um, what do we want to do, um, NBC or FX? Because I can kind of talk about FX's stuff a little bit. Sure, go ahead. Um, well, Archer's coming back. Um, Archer, yeah. Justified, and Lights Out are the three big FX uh, sh- mid-season shows that are coming out. Um, Archer, I only watched the first couple episodes of, but I've been told that it gets infinitely better. Oh, it's after- great. Yeah, Archer's such so, a good show. Then clearly I need to be trying Archer out. Um so, but I think the other, the two big things are Lights Out and Justified. Um, did any of you watch, did either of you watch Justified? Because I didn't. No, but it's on my list. Yeah, it's on my list as well, mainly because they cast uh, Margot Mattendale and Jeremy Davies as the antagonists for this next season. And I love both of those actors so much that I'm going to watch Justified before the new season starts somehow. Um, but Lights Out is their new show about a boxer and a family, and I am so bored by the promos. <laughs> I fell asleep to the trailer, I think. I'm, yeah, I'm totally <laughs> bored by that. I, I just went and read a little bit about it, and it's like, a guy that used to be a boxer is no longer a boxer, is trying to make his way, and then he you know, becomes a tax collector, and then he discovers he has this terrible disease, and then he's losing all his memories, and I'm like, there are 12 shows crammed into one here. Oh, really? Is that what that is? Wow, because the promos just make it look like he's trying to battle back from something and become a fighter again? I think his lights are out in multiple ways. He got hit in the head too much, and apparently he is losing his memories. So losing his family. So I guess it could be, I mean, that connects to the whole boxing history, I guess. I guess it just depends on what the tone of the show is. Um, You know, is this going to be a pretty serious show about what happens when you start to forget your family, which actually could be quite moving. Yeah. See, um, I wouldn't have gotten that at all from the trailer. For I, I thought it was just a, a boxing show. I, I figured it was like Raging Bull, except, you know, modern. Yeah. And, uh, which, uh, I mean, FX doesn't really sell FX is marketing well. L's again. <laughs> so we'll see. I, that, I mean, I just read a little blurb. That's all that. I have very little knowledge about this otherwise. Um, but I, it, it sounded like a lot. And, you know, FX is pretty wacky, so they might be able to pull it all off. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I have to see how good the actor is, too. That, that'll help a lot. If yeah. you care about the actor, you'll really begin to care about what he's going through. Yeah. Maybe. So that's what they've got. They've got three. Is Archer the one with... Um... It's the animated spy spoof. Oh, yeah. No, I have no idea. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's like yeah. C-Lab 2021, except, you know... Is it, is it by the same people? The, the C-Lab? Um... Possibly, I'm not sure. Again, I only watched the first two episodes and wasn't super impressed. So, but the rest, the season's uh, first season streaming on Netflix, so I'll get to it eventually. Okay. Yeah, it's um, it's it's definitely worth watching. It's got Aisha Tyler and a bunch of other people. It's uh, oh. fantastic. I mean, it's it's funny in that kind of the base humor kind of way, but it's still hilarious. It is. Well, it's it's by the same people that did C Lab. I'll try and watch it for the next time we talk, or by the time the second season rolls around, so that we can kind of discuss my reactions to it. Hopefully. Yeah, definitely. 
Which leaves us with NBC's big, fat, mid-season replacement lineup. Um, let's see. We kind of already talked about the cape and how awful it looks. Yeah, <laughs> even with Summer Glow, I'm not going to watch that, I don't think. You're not even going to check it out? <sighs> I might watch the pilot, but that looks... I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to, to watch the underground carny folk that have uh, trained him to throw knives. That's... I don't know. Well, I want to, you know, I hated Heroes, so I'm always happy to see someone try and do it better. And I was disappointed by the the family show that's on. No Ordinary Family? Yeah. Oh, that's good, that, that one, I mean, we tried, we watched like four episodes and just it didn't come together enough, early enough for us. So The Cape is another effort. Like, I, I, do, I do have a slot where, for my superhero TV. Um, but no one has quite done it well enough to actually fill that slot yet. So I'll let Cape give it a go. Sure. I don't get the Summer Glau thing. I, I know that she's a fanboy thing, but I'm not sure she actually can act yet. Yeah, I mean, me either, really. playing a machine doesn't necessarily convince me that you're an actor. So, we'll see. Yeah, we, we'll see. I mean, like I said, I'll probably catch the pilot, but I'm not expecting great things from uh, from the Cape. It's going to have to really impress me in the pilot in order for me to keep going. I, I don't have a slot for a superhero uh, anything. Usually superhero <laughs> shows really usually turn me off. So, because um, nobody really has been able to do a really good one in a long time, and yeah. uh, and even like the the ones that I that I can cite like uh, Spider Man or the Hulk, even those are questionable at best. I think those are uh, relics of their time. So I yeah I haven't seen a good superhero show in my lifetime. I don't think so. I am dubious. The Cape is I am dubious in the Cape. So what um, else has NBC got, Noel? NBC also has Harry's Law, which is not a Night Court spinoff, like I was hoping it was. <laughs> well, it is, about, it is about lawyers, right? It is about lawyers, of course. It's from David E. Kelly. Um, it has Kathy Bates as Harriet, hence Harry's Law. And it's lawyers and her mentoring young lawyers and hijinks and suing type of things. Who thinks we need one more law show? Raise your hand. But well, this we, one takes place in anyone? the South, and it's got Kathy Bates. I mean, it's different, right? Oh, there you go. I, you know, oh, I'm just not sure we need any more. <laughs> I'm, Kathy I'm Bates, not, if you've got Kathy Bates, you may, uh, I hope you write her something worthwhile. That's all i got to say. Well, I mean, I, from what they said in the um, little like mid-season showcase thing that I watched on Saturday while they were filling time before, I guess, college football or something, um, that they had to like really try and get her to do this, um, and because she wasn't interested in doing television, which I find weird whenever someone says that they're not interested in doing television now. Um, she was on The Office, so I guess. Yeah, so maybe that got her interested, but I think it doing a long term type of thing. Uh. But you know, it's on NBC, so it may not be long term at all. Uh, <laughs> But so yeah, I'm not I'm not too sure about that. Um, they didn't show a lot of clips from it except for that you know Kathy Bates plays her standard Kathy Bates type of character where she's tough but lovable at the same time. Yeah. So I'm not sure that that's something I want to tune in for every week. But on the other hand, I do like David E. Kelly a great deal. So maybe if there's a Boston Legal Harry's Law crossover event, I can get behind that. If Alan Shore or Denny Crane shows up. I'm sold. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a show I would I would turn on the first time and see what it's about. Definitely, unlike Perfect Couples, which boy, those pre promos just make me want to kill myself. It... 
Yeah, they make me want to kick Olivia Munn in the chest and send her down a flight of stairs. And I don't, I don't even care about her. You guys had to tell me who she was, and when she told me, I didn't really like her very much. But I mean, <laughs> the couples that do not. I mean, what about that? It it all plays out like real life. I mean, why 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 do they have such a hard time showing cute people in love? Why is that so difficult? I'm not I'm not sure. And plus, it just looks painfully driven by stereotypes. Mm-hmm. It, a perfect wife whose husband is chafing under that, which is the Olivia Munn character, and then just two other couples that, that... I just... I don't get it. And I think what's even worse for me is that there's no diversity in that group. It's upper-middle-class white people having relationship problems. And, God, I am so over that. Yeah. Especially yeah. on NBC. Yeah. <laughs> NBC is very colorful. What I have when I see those promos, I have flashbacks to Seinfeld's awful reality show. What is that show called? The Marriage Ref? The, yeah, The Marriage Ref. Oh, I'm my God. The Marriage Ref for me is all about how, yay, marriage. It's so great. It isn't. It's so funny, all these things we go through. Ha, 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 ha. It's weird. It's, it's, like, it's like everyone is a machine. And they're just saying the words they're supposed to say, but no one actually seems like an actual person, and the situations are absurd, and the stars seem like they're machines, too. And I think that is what Perfect Couples is going to be. I think those two shows should get married and have a baby, and then move, leave town. I think you and your husband should be on the marriage rack. I think that's what <laughs> about. And get on the marriage rack. Yeah, and I don't think that would go well. Decide what, who, who wins. Hate to break it to you, there's no stripper pole in my house that we can argue over. Oh, uh, I think your husband should install one. I'm going to talk to him about that. <laughs> there you go. Um, what else? Um, there's um, there's a couple of other shows. Par- Parks and Recreation is, of course, coming back. Yay! Hooray! Yay! Um, What's Love Bites? I just Love- looked that up. Love Bites is their anthology series that is going to be a, like a different story each week. Oh, but, I mean, it's already not working. Uh, okay. Episode order got scaled back, oh. which isn't a good sign. But it's got Greg Grunberg, who's awesome, oh. who just can't seem to find a good project for himself. Right. Um, He'll never and, live down Felicity. Yeah. Oh, he was awesome in Felicity, he's too. He's so good, Felicity. Yeah. But he's, uh, he's, he's the one that's in all the shows. He was in Lost for a second, too, right? right? Yeah, he's the pilot. The, yeah. Yeah. yeah, he's in all of J.J. Abrams' shows. Yes, though he, I don't remember him being in Undercovers. Was he in Undercovers? Oh, I didn't watch it enough to I'm know. Sure, he was probably a, a guest star somewhere in Undercovers. So that's their um, that's their anthology series. Um, Friends with Benefits is another um, young twenty thirty somethings trying to find love in whatever metropolitan city NBC has decided to focus on this season. Trying to relive the Friends magic. Exactly. Um, and then the only mid-season show of theirs that I'm even remotely interested in is the Paul Reiser show, which apparently is Curb Your Enthusiasm, but for broadcast. I was going to say that. It looks it looks shot almost exactly the same way. Like uh, It looks like an HBO show that is uh, for broadcast. Right, and I think that's kind of what they're aiming for, which explains why they got Paul Reiser. <laughs> right. But I like Paul, Paul Reiser still has enough goodwill for me based from Aliens and... Um, <laughs> From Mad About You, that I'm willing to give the Paul Reiser show a shot. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm too. I'm, I'm a big fan of, uh, of Mad About You. I, I've, 
I mean, I it's no secret that I feel like Mad About You is probably the best series finale I've ever seen. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go on the record on that. Best series finale I've ever seen is Mad About You. And uh, so, yeah, he has a lot of credit with me. I don't think the show's going to do very well. I think that it's, uh, it's, I mean, unless Kirby Enthusiasm has a much wider audience than I, than I realize, I think that oh. the, the show's not going to do awesome, but it might be good. I'm sure Curb Your Enthusiasm has picked up a lot since it started airing in syndication on WGN and on the TV Guide channel. <laughs> well, and Paul Reiser isn't going to be as obnoxious, probably, as Larry David. The yeah, Larry David is. And I mean, that's his shtick, and that's fine, but I think Paul Reiser, yeah, people have happier associations with him, so that's I think he true. could be a selling point. Even though that about you, I mean, it was, it was Helen Hunt's character who was the one that, we didn't, that you weren't supposed to occasionally not like. Mm-hmm. And she's the one who cheated on him and that sort of thing. So, I mean, Paul Reiser never seemed to do anything wrong on that about you, as I recall. Oh, Which, the normal husband, I did wrong yeah. kind of stuff. You know, yeah, yeah, but like nothing of like the super serious stuff, like what end, Helen Hunt's character ended up doing. Right. It, it doesn't seem like that he's going to be, like, he's that kind of person in the show. Like, he seems like he's playing the same kind of character in the show, too. I, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I think, it's, I, I, I think that it could be good. I don't think that it's going to be very popular, though. But, no, probably not. But, you know, it's also on NBC, so nothing's going to be very popular right. except for the sing-off. <laughs> <laughs> The sing-off. Uh, do you guys think that the sing-off is bad news for Chuck? I haven't watched it. Ratings-wise, it's actually proving that people want to watch NBC at 8 o'clock. Right. Which is where Chuck is. <laughs> exactly. Because oh. uh, the sing-off is uh, doing, what, like 3-3? Three, three? And Chuck think, yeah. like, barely makes 2. Are you not assuming that Chuck is automatically doomed this year? I assume it's done. Um, well, I assume that, yes, but there's speculation that they might still get picked up. I mean, they did some kind of shift where they were going to show a repeat of uh, A Walk in My Shoes or something like that, and uh, instead they're going to show Chuck repeats instead. I don't know if that's, uh, you know, bad on that, that mini movie or that TV movie that's coming out, or if it's mm. uh, good for Chuck that they just want to try to sell it up a little bit. I think, no, I think that this should be its last season, um, but I don't, but there's a lot of people that, still, that think they could still go for another season. I hope not. I, I hope I, I hope against hope that, that that Chuck does not get picked up because it it just needs to kind of come to a resolution and kind of fade away because it's just it's not going to grow from where it is. That's why I'm not. surprised. It just seems right. like they've had a couple of Hamilton passes. It didn't become whatever I expect they wanted it to be, which was a bigger hit. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've given the fans. I mean, with shows like this, they've given them a couple more years. You'd think right. that that would be like yay. It's yeah. gotten two more seasons than it probably should have. Yeah. yeah, I, I would think that that uh, Schwartz and Fedak would be exhausted by the end of the of the season because they've got every at the end of every season they've got to go and try to sell the show all over again. Seriously, and so you would think that after a while, you know, they're going to be on the bubble again at the end of this season. You would think that they would just be like, "All right, just we're we're just going to call it quits." We're well, yeah, whatever tired. goodwill you guys have for us, let's do a new show that maybe will hit better. You right. know, let's take the lessons we've learned and give us a new another opportunity. That's what I would say. Yeah. Of course, I'm not in the business, so... Well, and also, I think part of that problem is about getting a new show is that, I mean, Chuck is produced by Warner Brothers Television, so, I mean, they'd really have to go to Warner Brothers first and say, okay, we're ready for something different here. Ah, this is true. And it's not since, and since it's not produced by NBC, which I think then maybe they'd be able to do that. But I also think that's why Community will get canceled while... 
outsource continues to live on. Wow. That'll be a sad, sad day. Let's let's not let's not even talk about that. I want I'm gonna pretend you didn't say that. <laughs> I'm in denial. So, Fox, you're excited about a show on Fox? I am excited about Chicago Code. Like, I think that that might be a good show. And maybe it's just uh, Terrier's runoff, like, I, because it's uh, by Sean Ryan. But I, oh. I am, you know, I'm, I, I like The Shield. Um, and uh, I think Chicago Code looks it looks great to me. And it has Jennifer Beals, right? Yeah. I, so, I, Flashdance I, for, pe- for old people. We know her from Flashdance for uh, <laughs> people that like their TV left of center. They know her from the L Word, right? Um, sure. So that I mean, you know, it's nice to see her getting some some work. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and I, you know, I'm not a big procedural person myself, but uh, Chicago Code looks like it's going to be a, uh, it's going to be. I think it's going to be good. The thing that showed up in the in the you know the blurb about that that intrigued me was that she, they're also trying to clean up their their precinct. Mm-hmm. It's not just two cops trying to get out and clean up the streets. It's that they actually have issues in their precinct, which that's. Yeah, we have a nice history of that with 70s films and whatnot. I just watched Serpico the other night, so I'm all down with this stuff now. Um, so that, you know, if they actually take that to where it could go, the grittiness where they could go with that, that could be good. Yeah, it's, uh, I'm looking forward to that show. I think that's the only show I'm looking forward to on Fox right now because Mixed Signals looks like a, uh, a terrible snorefest. What is that? It's, uh, it's another relationship drama. Basically, it's about three uh, guy friends, and uh, they hang out and talk about how horrible their lives are with their, the women that they love, but then they love the women at the same time kind of thing. It's a uh, kind of a brotherhood kind of tell. Or I, I don't know if it's a half hour or not, but it's... Uh, it's kind of, you know, it's just, you know, three guy friends being guys, you know, mm. guys in quotes. Um, well, looks, we have Entourage, so why do we need mixed signals? Uh, it's like the non-famous version of Entourage, yeah. It's, okay. it's, you know, it's just regular guys being regular. And there's, you remember Love Actually, the, the guy that goes to Wisconsin? He plays like a heartthrob kind of character in this. That's uh, interesting. That's- Oh, we should also note that mixed signals is no longer called mixed signals. It's called traffic light now. Is it traffic light? Yes, traffic light. Oh, oops. Yeah, but uh, it's. I'm looking at its Wikipedia page. It's apparently based on an Israeli television show. So it's it's ugly Betty, but for men. (laughs) (laughs) Which it was called traffic light um, after it was translated um, in Israel. Oh. So there you go. Probably a contract issue there. So Shonda Rhimes has a new show on ABC that I will check out for y'all. There's a shock. She has a new show on ABC. (laughs) But yeah, no, um, we were talking about that before the cast, and it's just like, it really does look like Lost, but with doctors and without a smoke monster. (laughs) Even the the promo parts for it have that Lost graphic of an island surrounded by fog. (laughs) Do you know what Off the Map has? What does Mamie it have? Gummer. Who? Mamie Gummer. Do you know who she is? I do not. She is the daughter of Meryl Streep. Oh! Meryl Streep is married to David Gummer. This is their child. She's been in a few things with her mother and without, and she has the potential to be an excellent actress, and you know Shonda Rhimes is going to write stuff for her that's going to let her cry and emote a lot, so there's real potential for an awesome Rhimes heroine, like way better than Grey. So I'm, I'm actually I'm going to turn tune in for her. Damn it, you actually made me kind of interested in off-map now, Karen. There you go, see? Oh, I'm so angry at you now. 
I don't think she's the main star of it or anything, so we'll have to see if she can steal the show away or not. But, you know, I, I, I want to see what's going on. I'll, I'll check it out. So I'll let you know. Maybe I'll even write, you know, a, a first episode review for it. So. Since I am the resident Shonda Rhimes expert here. It's true. It's true. I've seen maybe three episodes of Grey's Anatomy in my entire life. I am a devoted fan. So. I, watched, uh, I watched that Grey's Anatomy episode where somebody cried. <laughs> that would be everyone. <laughs> I watched that episode where they defused a bomb. Hey, yeah, that's, that was a classic. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, there's also Mr. Sunshine on ABC, which is supposed, which has people that everyone loves, like Matthew Perry and Allison Janney and Thomas Schlamme. Really? Expected a producer, and yet apparently everyone hates it. Oh yeah, it looks oh, bad. Wow. It looks like it's gonna it's gonna crash and burn. What um, a shame! I think it's I got Friends when, curse on it. I hate when good people get in bad shows, and well, it's not even necessarily the show is bad. It's that too many people messed with it and made it bad usually. Well, if anything got messed with, we can uh, totally blame Matthew Perry because he's the one who created it. Really? Yeah. Hmm. So that doesn't even bode well. <laughs> yeah, I think that uh, I think it's got Friends Curse on it. I think uh, Courtney Cox has finally been able to work her way out of Friends Curse, uh, but I think that it's totally got Yeah, but poor thing lost her husband. Maybe that was the trade-off. Maybe you, you can get the good show if you're willing to give up the person you love. I suppose. There's a deal with the devil going on there. Well, speaking, well, with the Friends Curse, that brings us to episodes, which is going on to Showtime. And, oh boy, Matt LeBlanc is playing himself. Really? Yes. Bizarre. In a show about a British husband and wife comedy team who traveled to Hollywood to remake their successful British television series. Huh. Well, then. Yes, and it's also created by David Crane, who co-created Friends. Huh. So there you go. Yeah, that doesn't get me uh, excited. It does have Tasman Gregg, who I love from uh, various British shows, um, but she may not be enough to make me watch that, just like William H. Macy will not be enough to get me to watch Shameless. Oh, and that's that's a sad thing right there. If William H. Macy isn't enough for you. Well, I'm, I'm pretty much burnt out on Showtime's uh, quirky, dysfunctional white people. I'm not. I only watch Dexter, so I could take up another one. <laughs> that's true and I need I need to probably give Dexter another shot but I'm just I couldn't get into Californication I got bored with Weeds I got bored with Nurse Jackie um, I tried watching another show of theirs and I can't remember what it was but well see the problem with the Showtime it's very easy for me not to watch them because I don't actually have Showtime I have to go to extraordinary lengths to get to watch Dexter so right yeah That'll be, that'll be the, the, the trick. But, you know, if, if I hear good things, William H. Macy is certainly a good reason to check it out. He always is. Yes. All right, so we're not totally excited, but uh, Parks and Rec is coming back. So let's just make that the headline, and uh, we'll do a happy dance at the end of the podcast. Yeah. I don't like Parks and Rec. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't we talked about this? You didn't watch season two? I did. I watched, like, I watched about eight episodes from season two, including the last two episodes. I think you have to get fired from the podcast. I'm not sure you can see that you're a fan of TV and not like Parks and Recreation. I don't, I act, I'm serious. Like That show has an, a terrific ensemble. It's quirky and fun. It ha- really improved from its first season, which is kind of admirable. Yeah. I mean, I watched the telethon episode, which is the episode everyone told me I needed to watch. 
Um, and I didn't laugh once during the telethon episode. Did um, you watch the one when they go hunting? No, I didn't watch the one where they go hunting. I love that one. I watched uh, Megan Mullally's episode as the sultry, sexy librarian who thwarts the guy I with think... the mustache. Yeah. Um, did you watch DJ Roomba? Yes, I did see DJ Roomba as well, and that also did not work for me. Oh, see, DJ Roomba is... sold me on the series. Like I, I was willing to watch the series after DJ Roomba. What possible complaints can you have? I just I don't think it's funny. Um, huh. I think it, I think it falls into that part of it is just a format issue. Like I mean, you, I you're not like into procedurals, and I really hate docudrama comedies right now. Oh. They piss me off. I'm tired of them. And I'm tired of the mentality that surrounds those shows that they're funnier than standard sitcoms because there's no laugh track and because they're not telling us when to laugh at a joke, except for the fact that they tell us when to laugh at a joke in other ways mm-hmm. from a laugh track, like when we see um, what's-her-name do an eye roll at something stupid that's been said. That tells us when to laugh. And Aubrey See, Plaza, I think you need to think about Parks and Rec in, in, in context. Part of the reason I'm such a fan here is because the first season really wasn't very good, and, and I have my own theory that no one has ever you know, validated in any particular way, but I'm going to say it anyway. You know, She was coming off of a big run on SNL, um, and she was pregnant, and they just rushed Parks and Rec in. They wanted to, like, just quickly, you know, the, it was all the Sarah Palin, Tina Fey, and the, she was, you know, she did the pregnant rap. That was, that was like, the, the big right. highlight moment, right? So they rushed Parks and Rec to make sure that she was kind of still riding that wave, even though she'd, like, trying to have that baby and whatever else. Um, and so I just don't think the show ever had time to get developed, which is part of why it took it so long. So, so... It's also part of why it's probably is the format that annoys you, Noel, because I think they had to rush, and so they just took whatever was working and threw it all together. And so I, I view this show, despite the fact that it should be terrible, found a way to really make itself work, despite all those obstacles. Well, my complaints are based on the large sampling of season two that I did, not of season one. So. Yeah. So you're not appreciating how much it improved, perhaps. So I might oh, be. No, I, I watched season one as well and oh. really hated season one. I hated season two less, if that's any consolation. Well, you should. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, I just, I mean, I, 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 like with Friday Night Lights, I see the appeal, but it's I not for me. Wait, wait, you're gonna, you're gonna start talking trash about Friday Night Lights right now? I did the first season, and I understood why people liked it. <laughs> I did not. I I I I I don't know how you call yourself a television fan. <laughs> I'm also going to go ahead and say that The Wire was not the greatest television show ever. Just to finish, but that, I actually I haven't watched it yet, so I don't have stakes in that game. I just think it's fun that you're being ornery about it. But you can't be ornery about Friday Night Lights, man. You have no heart, clearly. I know I have no heart, clearly, because I mean I watched the first season and went, oh, this is. I see why people like this. I also felt like they did special episodes every other episode about drug addiction or teen drinking, and that got really boring, and plots got dropped, like Rush's drug addiction. That just went away after it got resolved in that episode, so it's just like, that's kind of lazy. Are you uncomfortable with emotions, Noel? No, I'm totally comfortable with emotions. I, I, I'm developing a theory right now that you're, the reason you like procedurals is because they, you're able to stay from, at a distance from the characters, but you always have that nice resolution you're looking for, whereas other shows that kind of wear their heart on their sleeve or 
have, you know, more complicated problems that extend beyond, you know, throughout the series. Maybe that's, I just can't come up with any other reason why you, there must be something wrong with, with, with you, with you personally. I just, I, I can't accept it. I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to fix you emotionally so that you can see the light with Friday Night Lights. This is going to become a mission. I don't know, because I did the first season, and then I watched the first episode of season two, where, you know, what happens in that episode, and I just couldn't do it anymore. I watched that episode and just went, no, I don't care enough to see how that plays out. Yeah, we're going to have to talk more about this, because I'm, I'm disturbed. <laughs> Nick, why aren't you defending me? Uh, I can't defend you when you're being so... Uh so far out out there to not like uh to not like dj roomba to not like uh to to not like friday night lights which i've never seen so i can't really defend but uh but you understand that he should like it of course Uh, i mean the it's that is a series that's come from the from the brink of death to uh to and uh has entertained millions so in the hearts and minds at least thousands Well, it's, it's made every critic happy. How about that? So you might yeah. lose your credit card, Noel. So this is what's really on the line: your credit card. You know what? The, the Television Association gave Heroes an award. Okay, I'm perfectly within my rights. No, I'm in charge of the critic award. <laughs> I'm going to send your card out January first, so we're going to have to do some work before then. Well, while uh, Karen uh, analyzes Noel and all of his many, many problems, uh, I guess that will be it for the uh, Monsters Intelligent podcast for this week. Do you guys have anything else before we go? Happy holidays! Merry Christmas! <laughs> uh, I feel totally defeated now. I'm going to go home and cry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. Get in touch with your emotions. That's a good thing. That'll help. That's it for this week. I'll talk to you guys later. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>